Welcome to Think Like a Penguin, The Art of Flying. This is the podcast to help you think outside the box, live more confidently against the grain and become your more authentic self. Penguins don't traditionally fly, but what's to say they won't one day? Okay, as ever, I'm very excited for a new conversation. And this is with my wonderful art therapy client, Jess, I don't know, Denning? Yeah. Jessica Denning. Welcome, welcome. Don't be nervous, you look a little bit... Uh, <laughs> So Jess, I'm really excited for people to hear our conversation because I think it's fair to say you're quite a unique, beautiful individual and have quite a lot of different experiences of the world and um, how you relate to the world, a few different things that you live with. So first of all, I'll let you just introduce yourself. Okay. I I don't really know what to say. So um, who are you? What, how would you identify characteristics about yourself? If I didn't know you, if I walked off the street and I was like, hey, tell me about yourself, go. Okay. Um, okay, so my name's Jess. I like long walks on the beach. I don't. <laughs> but um, I am currently a TAFE student. I'm nearly 26 and... I identify as a person with a disability, a disabled person. Um, I use the she, her pronouns and I really love dogs and dinosaurs and penguins and Wonder Woman. Brilliant. You can probably hear the dog just walking around. Ivy May, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. So Ivy May is your, how would you describe it? Is it a support dog? Is that the official title She's... or...? Disability dog or it's, therapy um, dog? Assistance dog in training. So she okay. hasn't done any of her formal testing yet, which is why we had the in training part. Yeah. So it basically means like she has the same rights as a pet dog at the moment, but then once she's done all her testing, she will have the same rights as an assistance dog or a service dog. Yeah. She'll be able to go uh, everywhere with me, which would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> So in terms of the assistance that you need and the assistance that hopefully Ivy May will qualify to be able to provide for you, what will she assist you with predominantly? Uh, mostly with fainting. Oh, also setting the scene, I've got a little cute, fluffy, very fat cat above my shoulder. Um, Ebony is trying to jump on the table. So <laughs> carry on, Jess. Sorry, I got distracted yeah, by okay. the cuteness over my shoulder. She's just realised she can't. Oh, no. Just gonna try anyway. She'll try. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ivy May can sort of smell when my heart rate rises, mm-hmm. which is part of my condition called postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, which yep. we just call POTS. Yeah. Um, so she can actually let me know if she thinks I'm going to faint, and I can find a safe place to sit down. Um, she can let me know by like tapping my thigh, or like sometimes she will lick. Yeah. Um, Does she know more than you? So are there times where you've been caught unaware and you think, oh my gosh, I didn't feel that coming on and she's helped you out? Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Even last week, I think it was, I um, fainted and I woke up. She was like making sounds at me. She was like, and mum said, oh, she's telling you off because you didn't listen to her. Oh. I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I should listen to her more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But dogs are so smart. Like, I feel like they know more than humans a lot of the Incredible. time. <laughs> Animals are so intuitive. Absolutely. No, they are. So I think if I'm right in saying there's a few other conditions that you live with as well as POTS. Yeah. Can you explain what they are? Yeah. So I have POTS. Um, which I mostly get fainting from, but sometimes also fatigue and dizziness, um, a bit of vertigo. And then I also have functional neurological disorder, which is sort of where everything started. I woke up and I couldn't move and I um, had to ring mum and my legs just wouldn't work anymore. I I had to move back in with mum eventually, but she took me to the hospital and they were like, oh, I think she just wants some attention. And I was like, wow, how common that is for women to hear. Wow. And then yeah. the second hospital, they diagnosed me with functional neurological disorder, which um, kind of affects me in lots of ways. Um, sensory sensitivity. Uh, the, the biggest one is with my walking. Like 
I, I have a lot of trouble walking because I have a lot of nerve pain in my legs and I tend to hyperextend my knees and ankles and uh, the, the parts you need for walking. <laughs> yeah. But really, um, I don't know if something was missed when I was younger because mum has always said I walked like a duck, like with my feet out, right? Yep. Um, so that one as well. And then um, I'm waiting in May for a, an autism and ADHD assessment as well. <laughs> Yeah, so quite a mixed bag of things to live <laughs> yeah. with. If you're comfortable, can you share how all of those diagnoses and all of those events have affected you mentally, psychologically, your well-being? I mean, you're a beautiful, shining, bright personality today, but I'm sure there haven't been times yeah. uh, where you've always been like that. So how how's the kind of journey from first getting diagnosed and first having these issues and obviously having to spend lots of time in bed and having to learn to walk again and now needing the aid of a wheelchair sometimes and walking devices like how's that taken its toll mentally um I think like now I'm really proud of where I'm at and of my like identity as being a disabled person but I used to not be like that. So when I was in high school, I had some mental health conditions. And then when I got diagnosed with all these different conditions, I was like, oh, there's something actually different wrong with me. And this makes a lot more sense, which um, kind of improved my mental health for a bit. And then um, being isolated and not being able to walk uh, and yeah, being stuck on in bed a lot wasn't wasn't very helpful um but I feel like everything that I went through has sort of brought me to where I am now so I wouldn't really change anything even though like I went through some hard times but there was always something good out of it like so I got diagnosed with the functional neurological disorder when I was in my last year of my bachelor of primary education and um I wasn't able to teach once I got my degree, but I went to TAFE and I did Auslan, so I was able to do something I still really loved. Yep. And I suspect, and we've spoken about this, that you'll be such a beautiful niche teacher in that you can now teach other children who may be on the spectrum or have disabilities or, you know, your experiences will enhance your teaching offerings to whoever you teach to. I know you're getting quite distracted by the cat. She's stealing the paper. I don't think you're so cute. You can do whatever you want. She matches my glasses, actually. Oh, she does <laughs> The colour scheme, the mottled. Oh, you're so cute, Ebony. Yeah. Take that on the floor. Um, really, I want to use my skills to be a... Uh, like, to, to work with and teach deaf children. Yep. That's my, like, end goal. Yeah. And I see a potential, and I'm not going to, like force onto you what you do for a career but you're so artistic and we'll get on to why we do art therapy um but you're just naturally always thinking creatively and doing all these little crafty things and you've got yeah. more art equipment than I have and anyone I've ever met and you're like oh I'll just run and go go and grab the gold leaf or I've got some jelly pens or oh I've just got this clay from Target and it's like every week I'm like oh what's Jess gonna come up with this week so to be able to bring art therapy or creative kind of lessons to deaf yeah. people would be absolutely incredible. And I, I must say as well, I don't think I've really said it enough, but the person you are today, we've been working together for probably close to a year, yeah, if I'm yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, you are such a different person from the person I met. You were very almost apologetic for who you were and just taking up space almost in the world super low in confidence, um, really unsure about your future. Um, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit and see <laughs> if you can kind of tell everybody why you think maybe art has helped alongside many, many, many other things. Yeah. Like you have support workers and you, you've got lots of other care. But do you think art has helped, first of all? I'm not going to put words in your mouth. <laughs> and in, in what case, in, in how, like how is maybe doing art therapy being beneficial for you? I think that it definitely helps uh -huh. a lot. Um, Correct. Tick. <laughs> <my answer. laughs> yes. 100%. <laughs> uh, 
Um, I think like the main thing it helps me with is just like discovering who I am and what my values are. Mm. Um, but also being proud of who I am as a disabled person. Like, um, you know how recently I got the AFOs, the like ankle braces? Yes. And we're going to paint them. Yeah. They're going to be cool and yeah. not boring. Yeah. And then I'm going to want to wear them. Like, yeah. it makes everything more fun. And I want to make the world pretty. Like, I want it to, and everything to be colourful and creative and nice. Yeah, you certainly bring colour, that's for sure. Um, I love that as well you say more self-awareness and knowing your values because I've spoken about what art therapy is on other podcasts, but there's art in therapy where you might have a very specific topic that you're discussing, maybe a past trauma or a difficulty or a challenge, and you use the art just to kind of assist in the therapy session. Yeah. But then there's art as therapy, and I think you literally get the gold medal for our our therapy because (laughs) you are constantly creating and we don't need to talk about the hard heavy hitting stuff or the challenges we started doing that a little bit but really through doing like we've just done a phoenix like you've done a badass really cool Mm. wonder woman phoenix rising that in itself you get so much self-discovery out of that and that um process and even i think there was something you said I really like how we're taking our time with this. And I, I haven't told you this, but I, mm. I left the session thinking, I need to respect something as small as we take different times. And I, I like to go at life, like gun-ho, like, you know, yeah. foot on the pedal as fast as I can. But for you to feel in control, to feel more calm, at peace and empowered you actually prefer a slower pace which is um brilliant to have that awareness I think like um with the phoenix you just remind me as well like manifesting where I want to be as well like the phoenix that we drew I gave her like one of the scars that I have and the necklace that I always wear and stuff and I was like that's me now like I'm gonna be a phoenix it's interesting you actually sorry ebony that's the cat playing with the keys. Gosh, she's normally never on the table this much. <laughs> she's deliberately being mischievous. She was like, when I woke she up knows. this morning, she wanted to jump on yeah. in bed with me. So I think she's she knows. peopley today. Oh, fluffy bum. Um, I think more than you realise, like obviously I'm tuned in to sort of not psychoanalyse people, but to really assess what is produced in a session and how it is created. I would say 99% of your work is very much about you, even if we're drawing a leaf. You yeah. somehow make it about your favourite colours, your pinks, your blues, yeah. or you bring a little extra you know, spark or something. So it's really wonderful that that's coming out. Those are my glasses. Please stop chewing them. <laughs> Ebony, it's not about you. It's about me. <laughs> this is actually, I was going to say, indicative of a normal session, but it's not. She's not normally She's this. Not- this um, ridiculous. So, in terms of your goals initially, I don't know if you can cast your mind back to maybe a year ago and compare them now, those goals then, to what they are now, because I suspect they've come on loads. Yeah, I think like the two that I remember was like self discovery or like figuring out what my values are, and then also working through trauma, which we kind of did incidentally like Mm -hmm. through other art that we've done well that's the power of art therapy (laughs) i'm not taking the credit just the process (laughs) the process can do that and now like i care way more about figuring out who i am like what my values are and how i want to develop as a person than i do about reliving things that have happened to me yes yep yeah i certainly got to a point with that, with my own recovery from past trauma, is the day I stopped going to counselling and talking about my issues, which this is not to say that there's not a place for counselling. I think speech therapy and um, seeing a counsellor is so vital for some people. But when I started actually maybe swapping half of the the counselling sessions with life coaching or setting goals or thinking and looking towards the future it enabled me to kind of let go a little bit of the past 
yeah. and reimagine my story because I think there is there is a problem in that if we're solely focusing on trying to understand or fix or you know gain some wisdom from the past well then we get stuck in the past yeah. and it's actually more about having to envisage a future because we can all completely write our life story like we are in control what you decide to do today it's going to predict the outcome a year from now yeah. um, and one thing is you mentioned is goal setting but like manifestation you are incredible at that <laughs> so from the likes of the carers that you have I don't know if you should name her because it's 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 not her we haven't asked her permission but one yeah. of your carers I'm like could she be more perfect Your oh, dog yeah. trainer she loves art she's like this bright spark of just like this incredible intuitive one of my favorite people ever yeah <laughs> and you were really worried before getting her because you had a different support yes. worker who just didn't fit with you yeah not a not a bad person just not right for you yeah and then you just kind of kind of manifested this incredible option yeah um and then getting a house like you're getting funding for that and I just yeah it, it's exciting yes it's also exciting um before you said like that you weren't focused anymore on trying to like fix the past mm that word fix, the word fix resonates with me because I feel like people are always wanting to fix things. Yes. That's normal. Yes. <laughs> she agrees. Yeah. And um, like fix people and I feel like now I've let go of the sort of need to be fixed. I'm just happy with where I am and what I'm doing, where I'm at. Instead of like trying to fix my disability or like mm. who I am I'd rather uh like accommodate for myself yeah that's so profound actually because in life I think a lot of people are always trying to better themselves because they don't fundamentally feel maybe that they're enough or somehow yeah. if they can just tweak or fix or change one element then that will somehow make them feel more complete or more satisfied or more you know more appropriately fitting into the world I think working towards acceptance of self is fantastic and that's basically what you're alluding to is can we just look at ourselves as a whole authentically with flaws and perceived because yeah. they're perceived flaws but they're also perceived values like as a package you go actually I accept myself yeah and also and all why are they perceived flaws? Like, society has a lot to yeah. answer for. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. In in that, have you had, I know we spoke about it a bit, but horrible experiences of people, because they don't understand you or they don't see you fitting into a cute little societal norm box, have said anything horrible or bullied you or just looked at you in the wrong way or get a lot of stares for using disabled parking from older people mm. um, and like if you sit in the disabled section on the bus when I was able to use public transport um, you get a lot of stares and even just when I'm out using my wheelchair people are like oh my god like yeah it's not a it's not an like I, I don't know how to word it but like you know it's not this like amazing thing that I'm in a wheelchair it's not this devastating thing either it's just like helping me with independence like yeah yeah it's I've had a lot of like gaslighting from medical professionals like a, a few different um like doctors mostly if I go through emergency department because they don't know me where they're like oh I think you just want attention or you know have you tried to just walk normally or um I had a psychiatrist who was like oh I just need you to walk down these stairs and I fell over obviously because I can't walk down the stairs but he was like thinking if he just kind of tried to trick my brain I was like it's wow that's horrific because you go to these places and these people trusting that they're gonna understand and help you and support you and make you make you feel yeah understood and yet yeah. that seems like you've had the opposite most of the experience. time yeah I like so I was diagnosed in 2018 and now I have a really great team but like I went through a lot of people to find like the perfect team. Mm. Yeah. 
Which is why we need to have conversations like this, because it's not the fault of a naive doctor or an ill-informed doctor. If they've never heard of a, of a uh, diagnosis or an illness, Yeah, it's not their fault that you don't know what you don't know. But the more exposure there is to, I don't know the um, level of POTS, I don't know the level of all the conditions you have, like the percentage across the population, but I think we need to normalise that people have conditions yeah. and just accept that someone might be going through something just because we've never heard of it or we don't have much example of it or, you know, never seen it before. We just go, that's okay. That's, it doesn't, yeah. yeah. For instance, I've just got hearing aids put in and people will probably look at me and start shouting in my face because they'll probably assume that I can't hear. Therefore, the actual complete opposite I don't ever want to have to try and explain to people that actually I have a overhearing sensitivity. Yeah. And But I was thinking about it yesterday. Maybe I will need to have conversations about it just to make people realise there's so many conditions. There's so many yeah. physical, mental, psychological disorders out there that we probably will never understand in our lifetime. But if we can just accept rather than trying to fix, like going back yeah, to what Yeah, exactly. Said. Yeah, even... Um, uh, like there's lots of wheelchair users like me who can walk and yes. as soon as you like move your toe they're like which yeah no, yeah no you just still need the wheelchair like yeah it's people don't seem to understand that there's not just like one very neat little box that everyone fits into their own boxes yeah but they don't everything's muddled <laughs> yeah like a rainbow string everywhere like. yeah yeah I think it's you're you've hit the nail on the head it's about trying to not box people trying to not label people and compartmentalize people yeah people are complex beings and it's human nature to want to pop them in a little safe box because then it makes us as individuals relatively feel more safe around all these people and if we can compartmentalize life and go okay well this is my social group of friends this is my work yeah. group of friends this is my family this is how I interact with this this isn't this so it's just about trying to make individuals feel safe in the world yeah but, I, I am guilty of that sometimes we all are like, just my gosh we all are this is my tafe friend and you know like pre-planned conversations in my head this is my friend who likes this so i'm going to talk to them about this and these are the questions i'm going to ask so they don't think that i'm making it all about me and that's my like possible autism yeah like, <laughs> being like oh, i have to pre-plan every conversation <laughs> wow. well it seems like pre-planning is probably better than some people you they just come out with absolute nonsense you think have you actually thought about what you're yeah. going to say or just <laughs> verbal diarrhea blah that's true. <laughs> Coming on out. Yeah. So would you say you're in the best place in your life right now? Yes. I think all I need now is like to uh, have my own place because I'm living with my mum at the moment. And then I'll be like, everything's amazing. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. And when you have your own place, will there need to be special considerations with that place? Yeah. Presumably wheelchair access. Um, you have support. How often do you have support um, people come in and help um, you day so to day? At the moment, I have Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday and Sunday. Okay, so pretty Sunday. much every day <laughs> except Tuesday because I'm like I need one day where I just like don't have to talk to anyone. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that can be tiring too. Like. Having different people and being like, how do I, wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I do think in general that's quite common. Yeah. Most people at the end of the day, if they've been involved with people and conversations, it can just be tiring. I certainly get that where, you know, my family in the UK will wake up and want to Skype and call and I'm like, nope, I am done talking. Yeah. You'll wait <laughs> till, yeah, wait till tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'm getting better with that to like boundaries being like, okay, uh, like I can hold this space for you, but it's going to be tomorrow, like when we have the conversation, if you need help, like, yeah, because um, I used to be the friend where I'm like, okay, everyone dump your trauma on me and I'll see if I can help. Yeah. Uh, but that was really hard. So now I'm setting up better boundaries when I have conversations like with yeah, people. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's actually a really important 
life skills have to master as well and and natural people pleasers really struggle with that yeah but there's there's polite and respectful ways to say actually I'm really sorry I'm I'm tired I'm genuinely interested but I've had a big day or can I give you a call once I've had an hour and a cup of tea and whatever else you need most people will probably have a beer or something but yeah no that's really that's really excellent and I will sometimes do the same because obviously my job entails speaking to lots of people and I'm very empathetic so I take on lots of people's energy and um, feelings yeah that's why I love just going out into nature and sitting on a rock by myself yeah couldn't be happier yep so outside we've spoken quite a lot about the challenges that you live with or that you um what do we say they're challenges they're not really experiences yes yes I was thinking of a better word because challenges you don't approach them like they're challenges no sometimes they are but mostly they're experiences yeah yeah that's wonderful so happy hobbies and things that you love to do you've got a very busy social calendar and you always find these sort of amazing events and um, yeah things happening so what makes you you in in your social realm or your so Interest. weekly I like um well it's fortnightly now because I was getting a bit tired <laughs> but I like um going to exercise physiology I go to the gym at Coogee Beach very pretty oh I love it there yes yeah yeah um on a Thursday afternoon and we um work on my strength and things like that but it's always a fun way of doing it and um Ivy May comes as well for the owners, that's really the good. dog, by the way, everybody. Yes. Yeah, um, and the same for on Sundays. I have kung fu, and ah, I love kung fu. Not just like kung fu, but also the kung fu community. Like, yeah, it's amazing. And Ivy May also comes to kung fu. Um, how long have you been doing kung fu? Um, and how did you get into it? Because that's quite random. Yeah, I think nearly a year, probably about the same time I've been seeing you. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, one of my best friends at TAFE, she actually, uh, I think co-owns this Kung Fu school and had, um, shown me some of the stuff that she'd done with other students who have disabilities. And I was like, oh, that looks amazing. So like even, um, it's always adapted. So if I have my walker, um, we do it. A certain way we just like adapt the movements so that I can have my walker either behind me or like I can use it to help me move around or if I'm having a really good day we can also do it like how everyone else does it so mm-hmm. we do it uh, are you in a class of people no just me so yeah it's, perfect. um it's called marshability it's really cool Ooh, it's amazing I love yeah. it um but yeah so I always get taught two ways the the way that's like more adapted mm-hmm. and the like mainstream way and I like uh kung fu because I get to play with swords yeah uh, play with is probably the wrong word for <laughs> train with um and kicking and um even we do this exercise where if my legs are really bad we do assisted kicks where I like lie on the floor and my teacher helps me like to move she she makes the movement with my leg by just like holding my ankle and moving it in the right way like yeah which is really fun and then what else I like doing you seem to look up quite often an event like every week you're like (laughs) either off to the convention center or oh I've gone and got gone and done this workshop or this experience I think that's you actually encourage me to do a bit more of that and just go and see concerts or go and um, yeah check yeah. out events and things I have some coming up actually I'm going to Moulin Rouge this weekend um, I went last night it was you will love it oh, oh my gosh yes I'm very I'm excited. excited yeah the I've I mean I've only seen two musicals but it's the best musical I've ever seen I don't know <laughs> how many I've seen like 15 maybe <laughs> it'll be interesting to know your thoughts yeah yeah um and then I've got some concerts coming up and do you feel like doing these events and really like making an effort to get out of the house and go about and experience these things has increased because I suspect when you were first diagnosed and when you were you know struggling to walk and it was all very new and scary those things weren't a priority in your life or they were challenging to 
yeah. fit in. It was challenging because I didn't have any supports. Yeah. Like I had what they call informal supports, like family, but I didn't have any support workers or anything like until I'd been diagnosed for almost four years um, mm. just because of the system. It yeah. took me a long time to get into the NDIS program to get actual help. And so now that I have that, I don't want to like waste the opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So can we talk a bit to that and your experience with the system? I suspect harder because your diagnosis took a while and wasn't like a straightforward, I don't know what a straightforward diagnosis is, but maybe loss of sight, fully blind. That would instantly, you know, put you in a category and they go, okay, you're eligible for these support services. Yeah. For you, you said four years. What was your experience from beginning to this point? Well, I um, kept getting my GP to fill in the application forms mm -hmm. for the application to the NDIS, and I just kept getting knocked back. And I, after a while, I ended up contacting this really nice lady. She also has functional neurological disorder, but she's also a GP mm -hmm. and um, or an OT, maybe. She's a doctor of some sort. And she um, had a program running for her OT students to write uh, functional capacity assessments, which is where they look at your like daily life and all the things you need help with in your daily life. Mm -hmm. And once I got that done, I pretty much got NDIS. Like, I feel like I really needed to see an OT like to yes. get onto the NDIS. Like. Because um, there may be people listening who themselves need help or know of someone who is struggling to find the support. Obviously, every single person is very unique in their needs and individual, but maybe that's helpful to tell people yeah, an OT think, might be the way to go. I do feel yeah. doctors are so general. Like, obviously, it's in the name, yes, general absolutely. practitioner. But, yes, I guess it's what your, whatever your issues are that you're dealing with or your experiences that you're having determines which practitioner is going to be yeah, the best I think one. NDIS really like functional capacity You should say what NDIS is, so National Disability Insurance Scheme. Um, and I don't think it's been around that long, has it? No. A few years, but it enables people either to have a, you can self-fund, so you can get your kind of pot of money, it's not a literal pot, but you know, <laughs> an allowance that you can then allocate to services that you know are going to yeah. enhance your experience. And supports, like if you need uh, like a shower chair or a wheelchair or things yeah. like that as well. And then other people will be plan managed and then therefore they don't get so much say over how they allocate their funds. But by that point, they've probably got a lot of support in place because they're not of ability to, to make those decisions. But I wonder what happened before NDIS. I wasn't here. I wasn't in yeah. the industry. I don't you know. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was like, I don't know, like, what was there before? Need to have a little look see because yeah, there must have been something. Maybe not so kind of formalized and succinct as yeah. the overall umbrella of NDIS. They also have NDIS managed, which is where NDIS sort of controls the funding. Yes for the person and all the providers have to be NDIS registered yep. providers. Yep. And do extra, I think extra certification like an NDIS qualification thing. Yep. Um but I chose plan managed just cuz it's I find it easier because numbers maths is not my thing. Like, yeah, okay. I don't understand maths at all, so I thought I'll go plan managed because I can still use people that aren't uh, NDIS registered, but are still professionals like yourself. Thank you, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but the all the invoicing and everything gets done by the plan manager. Yeah. Which is a lot easier for me. It's interesting, actually. I still have a few questions around my eligibility to practice as an art therapist. And it's a thing. Like, it's absolutely an option as one of the um, allocations for your funding. But even plan managers have gone, sorry, what do you do? And, and what's your qualification? It's like, no, no, art therapy is a recognised therapeutic tool yeah. by NDIS to give people support in their life. But it's such a 
new thing relatively to something like speech therapy or kinesiology or physical therapy hopefully myself and other art therapists in the industry are going to change that slowly but yeah um compared to even over east or in america especially definitely in the uk art therapy people know what that means yeah here not so much but i'm trying to change that it's interesting like that you say that because when i was in high school like i've had mental health conditions since I was about 12. So when I was in high school, I was like, I really want to do art therapy. I couldn't find a single person. Like, yeah. I didn't know where to look. It wasn't even like finding you. I just Googled like art therapists. Yeah. In, and it was on um, this registry. Yeah. The registry thing. And I was like, oh, she looks cool. <laughs> like, I've never what? actually asked how you found me. Is there like a, a photo of me on there or something? I think so, yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. I think it's like a... <laughs> Registry of art therapists. I have no idea how I got on there, but I'm very, very pleased on the list. <laughs> Our South Pals wouldn't have crossed. And, yeah. um, oh, I must check that out. Good to know. <laughs> but, like, why... Like, why isn't it a more mainstreamed thing? Mm. Like, I would rather... Well, not just... Obviously, like, counselling is great and all, but I've found art therapy more beneficial because... We can still talk about things without talking about things. Yes. And oftentimes I don't have the words. Yes. And I've said it on a few other conversations and, and episodes that when you are talking, you're using the left side of your brain. You're using logic, rationale, and you're thinking about a problem. When you're creating, so whether that's just doing little marks, doodles, abstract, or a beautiful like phoenix rising picture, <laughs> you're using the right side of the brain, which is actually then switching off thought and it allows for your subconscious to come up. And you yeah. start actually without awareness, obviously that's what the subconscious is, but using, um, you're being informed by feelings, emotions, uh, past experience will not literally bubble up, but there's room for that because thought isn't getting in the way and overriding the subconscious. So when you're creating you're actually quietening the mind. You're stopping logic and thought and you're allowing for your trauma and your past experience. And you're happy. Like, it doesn't have to be bad stuff that comes up, but your subconscious has room to move. And then we work with that. Yeah. I I, I think I've always been more, like, right-brained. Yeah. Because, I yeah. Well, you can't unthink emotion or feeling. You can only feel emotion and feeling and, and work through emotion. So regardless of if you're an accountant or a lawyer or someone you know engineer extremely logic in your thinking you cannot unthink a feeling you must feel a feeling to work through it and that's where I think the maybe the people that have the power and allocation of all these decisions politicians and whatnot they're probably of a very logical mindset they won't even get that concept that you need to feel a feeling to work through it rather than think your way out of a problem I always thought like the two hemispheres were very like separate but then I look at people like my dad who is so creative but also like very logical and Mm -hmm. I'm like oh there's there's room for movement like yes yeah of course it's amazing yeah definitely no there's there's definitely times where you use both and that's when the magic happens, when you can harness creativity and intellect and logic. I'm using time. my entire brain. What? <laughs> I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that we only really use a few percent of our brain. What's the rest of it doing up there? Yeah, just sitting, getting grey. <laughs> we are, yeah. It's it's the incredible brains, like the Rain Man, or highly, like, off the charts. Stephen yeah. Hawkins and all, like, they're using many, 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 many more wow. brain cells. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Neuro, um, neuroscience, neuroplasticity. I love neuroscience. Yeah. so interesting. Mostly the neurodiversity side of neuroscience. Yes. But, <laughs> but um, art therapy-wise, the other thing I really like is that we've been doing something uh, that can be like a source of awareness and a source of I guess income for me later with Mm. the book that we've been illustrating a book about 
Ivy May, the puppy, and how dogs see the world with their nose. Yeah. And I really like that it, it's not always like we've got to work through something. Like mm-hmm. we're also expanding possibilities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And everything you do, I often think, oh, you could do this with your clients in the future. Or you can come up with creative ways to help your deaf children express themselves but yes the book we must continue to yes. persevere <laughs> um, with your natural pace of things it can it can take a bit of time can it to yeah. do each of the pages how many pages have we done and how many have we got to go <laughs> I think we've done like four four and yeah. I think we've got like maybe 15 or so 15 okay well watch this space in four years <laughs> time we'll get a book out I wrote all the words like in maybe yeah. two days. It's a really important um, it's a really important thing to get out there, actually. Yeah. I agree with you because it's such a unique perspective on quite a broad topic. Like the fact that there are so many wonderful assistance animals out there. Yeah. But even like um, in terms of the book, there's obviously assistance dogs, but also search and rescue dogs, like the mm. ones who help find people during 9-11. And recently in Turkey and Syria and the earthquakes, yeah. Yeah, they so many, so many different jobs that dogs can do. Yeah. If they want to. Consent is important. But they have, yeah, there's a lot of things that dogs can help us with. Yep. I think the, the flaw is when it comes to animals, and this is a bit off topic, but uh, humans sort of, maybe interpret a behaviour like a human behaviour. It's like, no, no, they're a completely different species, different animal. Yeah. We need to look at them behaving in a completely different way to humans. We can't relate the two. Yeah. And, you know, if I, I get very overwhelmed when Ivy Mae is barking, but she's a dog. Like, I can't expect her to be quiet when I'm arriving because, you know, that is an inconvenience to me that it's too noisy for me. I have to... Yeah. No, no, she's a dog. But I think this can be, and it harks back right to what we were saying at the beginning, it's true of other people. Like Every person is is different, and we yes. have to just accept and acknowledge difference in the world, and that's what is so beautiful about individuals. But I think also celebrate it. Yeah. Like, I think, like, we need to go a step beyond acceptance and be like, wow, that's amazing. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. Like, I think celebrating diversity, you know, we talk about being a diverse country in Australia. Mm, but I mean, I think to look, <laughs> to look at, but are people super comfy with it? No. No, exactly. And we should be. We should work to be more comfortable with difference. And then once we're more comfortable with it, to celebrate, like, that there is difference. Like, I'm not going to learn something from someone who's exactly the same as me. Yeah. That's boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is an element in society that uh, the powers that be that make all the decisions need to be able to control most people because otherwise, how do we have people go to work nine to five? How do we have a boss control an office full of people? How do we have regulation and law and, you know, law-abiding citizens that follow the rules? There needs to be some element of being able to put people into place conformity uh, conformity yeah that's what I'm looking for but it's uncomfortable when then people are all awkward and stiff with difference and yeah I'd love to get to a place of just celebrating diversity maybe we should do an event yeah and just invite I love events all the eccentric (laughs) beautifully individual people and um just throw a party I know so many yes actually a lot of my discovery of myself and my identity has been through um, like following different accounts on Facebook and Instagram of different people who are also in WA and have disabilities and are either advocates or they're just really comfortable with who they are. Yeah. And I'm like, that's what I want. Yeah. I wonder as well if there's a slight bit of envy from people that don't have a disability or don't have, you know, an obvious difference or unique I don't know if that's a word and there's sort of an envy in that maybe they want to have something that's you know not different in a you know 
challenging experience kind of way, but just an extra special something, like a spark or a... Yeah, maybe. Like, I know um, since I got sick, I did find myself part of communities I never expected to be a part of, and that really opened up doors for me as well. Mm. Obviously, like, it was horrible, but also there are a lot of opportunities and experience I've had that I never would have had if I hadn't have gotten sick. Yeah. The cat. <laughs> the cat is still playing with the, with the keys. So cute. Um, yeah, I think that's really important as well. You've mentioned community a few times in that you, when you are struggling with whatever it might be, everybody has challenge that's just part of being a human being is to lean on people and find people find your tribe and maybe find a group that you wouldn't necessarily find because chances are if you lean into the same kind of people that you've you've had friends with before you're not going to broaden your horizons or expand your your offerings that those people can or your learnings that those people give you so if you only ever been friends with the mums of your kids' primary school children. Like, well, if you go and just make friends with more mums from a primary school, then that's, you're not going to, like, broaden your horizons. Yeah. Maybe it's easier if I just give the example of I started skateboarding last year, having never spoken to a skateboarder in my life and assuming all these things about skateboarders and I feel really ashamed to admit that I thought maybe they were a certain type of person and troublemakers or people that didn't have ambition or I don't know what I thought of skateboarders now I'm Ebony no and now that I am a skateboarder and I will go down to a skate park and have some beautiful interactions with people and it's just I think we are guilty of sometimes closing ourselves in too much with our human connection the best way to broaden your life experience is to talk to people you wouldn't normally talk to, is to go and sit next to someone intentionally on a bus when there's a spare double seat spot, you could sit on your own, or you could sit next to someone and just spark a conversation. You have no idea where that will take you. The amount of times I've ended up in incredible situations, purely because I've said hello to somebody. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if, if people have got this far in the conversation and feel a little like inspiration... To go and try and broaden the horizons and get more out of life, talk to strangers. Yeah. If you have questions, if you see someone that is different or, you know, unusual or you you notice something that you want to ask about and you don't understand, ask them. Yeah. Like, and that's so much better than, like, staring and being like, what's going on there? Yeah. I would, it, it's not the case for everyone. Some people prefer people don't ask when they're using a wheelchair or something like that but like for me I would prefer someone ask me like whatever question is in their mind rather than like stare at me from a distance yeah I mean obviously there's a you have to be tactful there's a time and a place and there's a way to ask as well yeah and you can be very polite and respectful and if the other person isn't comfortable well I'm sure they've found a lovely little phrase that they can say Exactly. To say, yeah. actually, if you don't mind, I'd rather not talk about it. You know, that's on them. To, yeah. But um, but even if it's not about someone with a disability, when's the last time, I mean, you you and I don't need to answer this question, but this is for the listeners, the last time you just went and spoke to a stranger? Like, I, I probably do it every day, to be honest, because yeah. I'll talk to a tree if it'll listen. Like, I'll talk to anything. But... Those are the interactions that make life exciting. You don't know where that conversation will lead you. Or, Like, I was offered to go and play golf in Dubai because I spoke to a guy. We were queuing to get out of the plane, and it always takes forever. We were at the back of the plane. I'd flown back from the UK. And within those three minutes, he said he was a pro at a Dubai golf course, and any time I want to go over, come on over. Have a, have a holiday in Dubai with me and exchange details. Never heard from him since, but... Yeah. I reckon I'd have a holiday in Dubai if I rocked yeah. up and he'd, ha- he'd um, send me around the golf course. So, yeah. There's I, something to learn from everyone. Like, yeah. even a baby. Yes. They make you smile. Yeah. You learn happiness. And, like, even, like, someone might look terrifying and you actually go and talk to them and they're like, oh, you know, I was yeah. just... I think people, and we will probably um, end on this, 
But if someone is struggling mentally or they feel overwhelmed by their life or they've got some challenges that they just can't seem to see past, getting outside of yourself, yeah, both physically getting outside but more so connecting outwardly is a lovely, healthy way to distract yourself from what's going on inside. Like, obviously, you don't want to dump all your worldly issues onto somebody. But if you're having a really tough day, just connect with a stranger. Yeah. And it's for that few minutes, you distract yourself from what's going on, te- on internally. To be open to different experiences and people. like Yeah. So if you've had a few days on the trot where you've struggled... Maybe ask yourself, when's the last time I connected to somebody on the outside world? Because we do retreat in. We're a little bit like snails when you, like, poke their head. I used to do it as a kid. I feel really guilty. But (laughs) you poke their little little tentacle eye things and they go, boop, and they pop inside their shell. When we're overwhelmed by life, we tend to do that. It's natural to retreat. And it's really brave to poke that little eye out of your shell and then the second eye and then, like, uncurl your body. But that's the only way you're then going to be able to, like, be stretched out and ready to slime your way forward on your little snail trail. <laughs> so, um, yeah, put the feelers out there. And you never know what gifts life will, will give you back. Yeah. Like, experiences and the different experiences and people you can meet just from opening yourself up to them is yeah. broad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So if there's one thing you've taken from today, try and be open Try and be authentic and try and be a bit more self-aware. Celebrate yourself. And celebrate yourself. Amen to that. I'm not religious, but I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jess. Anything else you want to say? Or we can just end on that. I think that's a goodie. That's good, yeah. Celebrate yourself, people. (laughs) Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. And tune in next time. Bye.